You're listening to the Funny Women Survival Guide, the uplifting tongue-in-cheek podcast where we chat to British comedy's funniest females in an attempt to cheer up and entertain the nation in these uncertain times. And here's your host, Alexis Strum. Well, hello there. We've always known that comedy's got the power to change people's opinions. And in this episode, we explore the way that comedy and politics intersect with our incredible guests, columnist, broadcaster, author and stand-up Aisha Hazarika. Congrats on the new show for Times Radio, Aisha, by the way. And Ronnie Maguire, writer, stand-up and podcaster. Now, just for fun, I asked them to define themselves in their own words. And uh, Aisha is sorry that she isn't Ian Botham. And Gronya isn't sorry that she's the Irish female John Mulaney. And hopefully this will all make sense if you listen to the podcast all the way through. Not that I'm forcing you or anything. Also joining us in the studio is Lynn Parker from Funny Women. So do you guys know each other? This is what I wanted to check first yeah. yes we do because we're female comedians yeah. you just all know each other it's like the law what happens is your, your periods okay. go into sync that's the first thing and right. then you just yeah and you have to share tampons yeah. and yeah. you know <laughs> and Lynn um so obviously we've got two funny women alumni here yeah that will be well yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah I mean Aisha and I go back right almost to the beginning of Funny Women because mm. we worked together on um, the first of kind of what then became a tradition of one of the big comedy events for International Women's Day um, yeah. and Aisha was very much the uh, architect of that and we then did that for quite a few years and then Gronya, I know because she entered the awards in 2007 which seems like a lifetime away. Yeah. That's the way with stand-up is you don't see somebody for about a year and a half and then you see them every day for a month and then you then they vanish again then you see them another year and you catch up it's great I think we're in a period of vanish right now aren't we I'm guessing <laughs> so it's very nice to have our first MBE on the show I have to say Aisha I was very impressed and I had to look up what MBE actually meant because uh, I don't have one I've brought a badge for long jump and that's about it um so I didn't know what it meant either to be fair can I tell you, because I actually Googled this straight before talking to you. I don't want to look like a dickhead. Member of the most excellent order of the British Empire. I mean, that's that's like mic drop. That's amazing. That's how, on, how on earth did well, you? Well, it depends. It's either excellent or it's horrific. Either people think it's brilliant or they think I'm some horrific monster <laughs> because I've taken something from the British Empire. So, like, you know, so I, I get it. Like, you know, either either I'm not worthy of it from people or I'm like a disgusting sellout. So it's it's kind of one of the two, really. Wow. I'm surprised that that's something you would get backlash for. <laughs> oh, Alexis, you haven't looked at my Twitter timeline, have you? <laughs> No, well, I basically I, get I mean, backlash for just inhaling and exhaling. <laughs> wow, is this because of the political side of your yes, career? I Would think you there's think? a lot of okay. a lot of that. Is basically being if you're a woman with an opinion, um, and you know if you're a woman that is not easily controlled by the left or the right, and you're a woman of color, and you're a Muslim, and you're a bit lefty, and you're a bit sort of um, opinionated. Yeah, it's like it's it's wild. It's a lot of fun. Wow, but you seem so. I wouldn't even say resigned to it. You actually seem quite positively just accepting of it. Well, is that taking a long time to get to that point? Um, I think 
I think this is what you what else can you do? That's the way things are now. You know, it is just literally you get like, oh, this is this has all got off to quite a like, depressing start, hasn't it? <laughs> this is the real this is real life. Uh, this is bring my psychotic and mental health issues right into the, the forefront of the thing. Um no, I think you just have to you just have to get used to it. I mean, there are so many horrific people out there who just love telling you what's wrong with you and it, it, it comes from the hard right you get a lot of racism but it also comes from you know the the hard left and a lot of the sort of old Jeremy and, and the young Jeremy Corbyn sort of fans so you you get it every which way but you just have to grow a thick skin there's no point kind of crying about it or or getting too upset about it it is sadly a part of public life if you're a woman in the public eye and you want to have opinions that is sadly the the kind of deal and it's you know a lot of female comedians get it as well I think any woman with an opinion who is in the public eye or doing something different and owning some space a lot of people don't like it (laughs) or even without an opinion women without an opinion I mean, reality TV stars, I thought that was kind of the realm of trolling. I didn't realise it extended to just being smart, but there you go. I mean, I think it's important to cover. Look, we are an uplifting. We're trying to be uplifting in the pandemic, but let's be real. Like, you can't ignore that that's happening. And um, I just thought it was brilliant. I thought it was brilliant you have me in. I think you should, you know, I'd be jumping well, it up was and down a lovely for that. It was a lovely day. I think, Lynn, you came to my party, didn't you? I did. I did. Still did nice. yeah. So lovely, yeah. It was, um, you had um, Mr. Kinnock, I believe, gave he did. He gave, a, on your he gave a tight behalf. seventy-six yeah. minute speech, um, wow. which was like, <laughs> which was just, <laughs> and Glenis was going, "Make him stop, somebody, shut up, shut up! We've had an, we've had enough from you. Stop it!" Kind of thing. She's not Pakistan. It was like, funny, you know. and then, but it also it was great because it was like a whole thing. You get dressed up. It was like it's like I felt like it was the wedding day I'll never have. You know, right? It was like it was like it was nice. It was great. It was a lot of fun. So, can people still troll in the pandemic? Surely, is this not something that we've uh, restricted? Is it not going to raise the R rate? I mean, you know. Come on, what is going on? How can people still be so negative when when so much is going on in the world? Have you noticed? Have you noticed they've they've kind of backed off a little bit now, or is oh, it no, the same no, level? No, 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 no. People, as long as people can sort of, you know, get their little fingers onto a keyboard, people will troll. So I don't think the pandemic has. Um, affected it in fact I think if anything it's probably made it a bit worse because people are really anxious and people are at home so it's like I've got nothing to do oh I'll just go and troll people all day so it's something yeah. to do. it's like a hobby it's like a thing so if I were to ask you to sum yourself up in a press quote because <laughs> I obviously I've looked up press quotes about both of you and that's like other people saying it but how would you so if you if someone doesn't know of you or know your work how would you sum yourself up in a press quote today well I um I've started the, what I find it really funny is um, I, there's this comedian, John Mulaney, who I really love. So what I've started to do is compare myself to John Mulaney subtly in conversations with people. And I think if I just keep saying that to enough people, then other people will just be like, oh, yeah, she's like the female John Mulaney. Yeah, I know her. But she doesn't real. they don't realize it's because I've mentioned that in conversation. <laughs> So that's how I would... So evil. Brilliant. <laughs> so I'd be wrong yet, the Irish female John Mulaney. That's how I would describe myself. I like that. I, th- I hope it catches yeah. on for you. I think you're doing a good thing there, manipulating people's minds. Well done. And uh, Ayesha, anything for you there? Gosh, I can't think of anything. I'd say, uh, to describing myself today, I'd probably say kind of, 
disheveled, chaotic political commentator and comedian. <laughs> you could really do with like washing her hair. <laughs> Dry shampoo is not a substitute for washing your hair. It's not. It's not. Particularly when you're on day six of it. But surely, if you you know you're doing stand up, you're getting you're every day you you're getting um, heckled and that sort of thing. So. Does you do find that that helps with the comebacks? Have you got any good clapbacks that you always go to? Like, what about Gronya? Do you do you, do you still experience heckling? Actually, that's a strange. It's like feels like an outdated concept, but does that still? It's happen? more what I find. It's not so much heckling because at least that's proactive and you can react to it. It's more just a general wave of indifference that takes over an audience. That's much <laughs> harder to interact with. <laughs> So when you really just feel like the life slowly draining out of the room and people starting to go to the bar, <laughs> that's much right. more soul destroying than somebody. Sometimes you wish somebody would shout, get your tits out because, oh, <laughs> that's at least acknowledging you're on stage. Sometimes that's yeah much easier. That happens. You've got tits. <laughs> yeah. So usually it's, um, yeah, usually it's just people just slowly checking your phones. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just... Shouting at you, that's what I find. That's painful. It's kind of more painful, yeah. isn't it, if they're doing that? Because you're like, what are you looking at, your Tesco order? I mean, if it's if it's dating apps, I suppose you'd be a bit more... I mean, is there, like, is there levels? Well, Do you know what I mean? Like, if it's dating... I'm once in an Edinburgh... You see, in Edinburgh, because the venues are so hot, hmm. at one stage during the run, somebody will always fall asleep, usually in the front row. <laughs> And it's, you can't even take it personally. It's like just the, you know, the situation you're all in. So, yeah, you can't take any of it personally. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I remember doing an Edinburgh preview and it was so hot. And I think we were actually in the Cutty Sark that um, boat. And it was at and it was absolutely absolutely all right Lynn do you need to like join like it was so awful it's like I remember how awful that was like Vietnam I was there I was there it was was like oh I've still got the scars on my back I'm still have flashbacks I still have flashbacks but like my the worst thing was like um the front row had a lot of really really elderly people not you Lynn you were not on that row they like had like a a lot of really elderly people and at one point I'm not gonna lie my my show was not very well formed I was not top of my game that night and it was really painful and I literally you know when your eyeballs are sweating it's that hot oh yeah and this lovely old people got up and they went I'm so sorry dear we have to go I think someone's someone's gonna have a stroke and I was like all right don't worry about it don't worry about it but it really killed the vibe so they shuffled off so I try and carry on with as much dignity as possible and try and get the room back with me then literally seven minutes later they appear going we got lost dear sorry do you know the way out (laughs) okay my gig is going so badly I have to leave my own gig to show people out of the fucking boat basically that was the worst that that was like probably the worst so uh Edinburgh this year I'm guessing good and bad things to it not happening I I know that Bronnie you had a show on this year no well actually I was planning I was planning to take this year off so I'm very miffed that everybody's stolen my idea but it's for the best I think it was so awful they really dragged their feet on when, uh, whether they were going to cancel the festival. And it really annoyed me because I thought it was quite arrogant of the festival and it was quite cruel to 
uh, the performers because it left a lot of people in limbo about whether they should try to get their deposits back. Cause it's, there's so much money you have to pay. So I thought the fringe were kind of shabby the way they did it. They should have, the minute, they, I mean, if the Olympics have been cancelled, I think yeah. the fringe could have been like, oh, okay, maybe we shouldn't go ahead. But they, you know, it's, the, 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 um, they make so much money out of it. No, and I think that's mm. there's a real greed at the heart of some of their decision making that I thought was a bit cruel to a lot of the performers. And what about you, Aisha? Were you going to do this year's? No, I was absolutely not going to do this year. <laughs> <laughs> I've got enough. I'm actually really busy at the moment because I've I'm got a, I've got a journalism job at the moment. I'm writing for the Evening Standard. And so glamorous. So I I love you say that. I was going to say, this is a, yes, what is the role of a journalist in the pandemic at the moment, would you say? I know it sounds like an obvious question, but how do you, how would you perceive the role of a journalist right now? Well, it depends what you're, it depends what you're writing about. So, I mean, I've got various sort of hats on. I edit the diary in the um, Evening Sand. It's known as The Londoner. And it's been quite hard because The Londoner is a very, it's very much the heart of the paper. The paper has been around for about 200 years. And the Londoner diary is basically kind of being a girl about town in, in London. So it's <laughs> all the hottest parties. It's political gossip. <laughs> it's gossip from the world of literature, theatre. And of course, everything has stopped. So, you know, I'm kind of having to be the girl about town in my pants at home, basically, with my headphones on. So the diary has changed a lot where we would be right. We would go to, you know, we would go to so many parties every night and events and things like that. We are, um, you know, we're a much diminished team because of the drop in advertising. Our papers had to put on furlough. Um, about half its staff so I've lost a lot of people in my team so it's 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 quite hard it's quite a kind of a diminished thing but we try and find you know we we see we have chats with people we see what people are up to in lockdown there's a lot of stuff online content that people are doing creative stuff but then with my other hat on being more of a political commentator and my job is really to analyze what the government is doing and and analyze what politicians are doing so how the government is um, handling the pandemic how the opposition party the Labour Party is reacting to that and big events like statements in the House of Commons, Prime Minister's questions, uh, that kind of thing. So I'm doing a lot of sort of um, analysis of, of that and I write political columns about that kind of stuff as well. So not a lot of room for comedy. I, I mean, apart from obviously the, both parties and their behaviour, but not a lot of room for comedy in there. Is, is, are you finding that difficult? Um, no, not really, actually. It's fine because I think... I mean, I am missing performing because I haven't, I, I toured a show, I've been touring shows really since about 2015, 16. And then I didn't go to Edinburgh last year because I just started doing this job. So it's actually been quite nice to have a break from touring a, a show, which is, you know, doing a show is great. And, you know, Lynn came to see my show, I think twice at the Soho Theatre. And Lynn and I have gone up to Edinburgh. Lynn took one of my shows up to Edinburgh, State of the Nation, um, and Lynn's actually was been you know funny women have supported me right from the the start when I left politics and um you know kind of embarked on my stand up tour again. But it, touring is fun, but it is hard work. It is hard work, you know, taking a show on the road. So it's actually quite nice to have a slightly different challenge. I mean, where I do a lot of performing still, obviously not when we're in lockdown, is I do a lot of after dinner speaking, and that is basically like stand up, but 
even worse than Gronia's thing about the sort of wave wave of indifference. Oh yes, like, yeah. Doing an after dinner speech is like you have to sort of make four hundred very drunk men in penguin suits laugh, and they're really disappointed. I remember one I did, like I turned up. And they, the, women don't really do them. Brown women certainly don't do them. So. When I turn up, people are like really shocked or really disappointed. And I remember this man came up to me once and he was like, Sorry, so what what so why are you sitting in this seat? And I was like, Because I'm the I'm the after dinner speaker. And he was like, what, what, sorry, what what we what? I said, Yeah, I'm the after dinner. He went, but but you but but I was like, What who are you expecting? He went, they promised us Ian both of them. <laughs> She put my arms around and went, I'm so sorry, I'm not even <laughs> Did you try and talk about cricket just to try and... No, no. but my opening line was, guys, I'm so... I just want to apologise for not being Ian Botham. Let's just, back, let's just take, a, let's take a minute silence for what could have been. <laughs> I feel like this is the title of your next book. <laughs> I'm sorry for not being Ian Botham. Oh, that's great, actually. Yeah. Gronya's got, I'm sorry for not being Joe Malone. No, I am <laughs> We've got John two books covered here. <laughs> You are, you are. Okay. And how about you, Granny? Are you doing any performing at all, oh. albeit over Zoom or any online stuff? It's so, I find it, it's making me feel so anxious. There are these online gigs that now everybody has started doing. And I've watched one and it filled me with such anxiety. It's basically doing a Skype call and there's about 20 faces that you can see and you can hear them. And then there's other people who are also watching, but you can't see their faces or you can't hear them. And it just, it just really, oh my God. I was like, this, this is, this is just going to be what gigs are going to be like till probably the end of the year. And I'm, I'm, I'm booked to do one in, when am I doing? I think June. Because I've been kind of avoiding it because I was like, oh, in my head, I was like, well, you know, this is everything's probably going to be back to normal by the end of the summer. So I can just skip that whole like weird thing where everybody did stand up over Skype. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, the more it's looking like this is going to be a last a lot longer than we all thought, the more I'm sort of slowly having to accept that. I am probably going to have to start doing. I mean, when people do them, apparently, once you get over the weirdness, they're lots of fun to do. So. Who knows? But they're certainly mm. certainly a very. It feels like a whole different set of skills. So my brain is a little bit scrambled just thinking about it. But I'm sure it will be fine. I hope. I love your honesty, and I think you. Do you know what the way that you described it actually was very pragmatic? And I don't think. I don't know if the rest of the comedy world is being as honest and as genuine as you. That is what it, it is. What it mm. is. It is a a call. You're trying to make people laugh on a Skype call with your mates kind of thing. It's not the same. You can't get that same atmosphere. No. Um, so I get it. I think I think um, you're right, to be honest. And hopefully if we all just fall asleep for a few months and uh, wake up, we'll all be back to normal. Well, Surely I've, that's how it works. I've been it? like, what I've been trying to do is trying to like comedy homeschool myself. So I've given myself like a program and I took a little break because I think I was generally going a little bit mad. But I started back again this morning and I'm watching like one Netflix special every day. I bought literally every book on stand up that Amazon has. I'm going through all my old, old notebooks and like sticking them on like Google Docs. So I can usually do that for a few weeks and then I kind of have to take a little break and 
go for a walk around the park for a few days and then I'm back on it so I'm, I'm that's amazing. Oh, I don't know. But you you t- you tra- uh, already do um training courses, don't you? Comedy so I do. So I used to do it for other Yeah, people. so I used to so I run um comedy writing courses and they used to be just like in person in a room above a pub. But then so the lockdown has started halfway through one of my writing courses, so we had to switch to Zoom for the last few weeks. And if anything, it was really great because first I didn't have to commute and I could, you know, be chatting away to them you know, drinking coffee, eating biscuits. And then it just, yeah, it, it's actually worked really well. And it's just really nice to to chat to people and still have a creative outlet. And it's been really good because it hasn't just been people from London doing the course. I've got a few people. For, I had a woman from California do it. And uh, oh, that I was like, wow. but you're American. You know everything about stand-up why are you doing stand-up classes from an Irish person um, and then somebody from somebody from Germany and then the Netherlands so that's been amazing I would never ever have thought of doing it classes online in normal world so that was sort of a, an unexpected gift of the lockdown is what I'm calling it that's what we like to hear we like to hear about unexpected gifts and it's right sorry I was going to say actually just on the back of what Gronya was saying that the online space for training and coaching if you can get it right it's fantastic Mm -hmm. but it's that whole thing of having the right numbers and being able to create an atmosphere where people can feel like they're being appreciated so um the writing side of things now that's something you can continue to do very much we're allowed to keep writing that's all fine by Boris are you finding that writing is is a good release? I mean, obviously, Aisha, you, majority of what you're writing, I'm guessing, is is for print or for, for online stuff, and, and you have a brief to it. But do you find that you're doing creative writing as well at the moment? Not really, because I'm just spending so much of my time writing um, for, for work. But I did do – I was forced to do quite a lot of writing last week because I did have I Got News For You. And, uh, yes, and that I saw was, that. That's fantastic. That was – quite like I ended up actually really just because it was an opportunity to think about kind of jokes and it was an opportunity to think about I suppose like a bit of stand-up so I probably ended up doing kind of much more work on that and I did something with them Susan Kalman has got a new show she had a, a show up in Scotland called Susan Kalman is Socially Distancing and I did a I did a little bit for for that and it was actually quite it was quite fun to to do a bit of like writing that wasn't about sort of politics or it wasn't about but in my diary every day we do try and put a bit of you know humor in in the diary we always look for quite kind of obscure stories and we quite like having our sort of cheesy punchline at the end of our kind of things so that's become my slight vicarious sort of not so much a huge kind of belly laugh, more a little titter to sort of get get you through the day. Do you feel more of um? Do you feel more conscious that you need to do that for people right now? Is that is that kind of a caring mechanism to try and cheer people up? Because I guess that your column used to be about you said going out and events, etc. There wasn't that background of trauma that we're all going through at the moment do you feel now that it's we had just gone through brexit so we had gone through a lot of trauma (laughs) true true (laughs) um but do you find that yeah you're kind of a little bit more like oh i would really want to cheer these people up is that is that a concern as a journalist or is that a different i don't know how it works as journalists but do you do you kind of have a bit of a conflict there 
Not massively in the sense that I think the diary pages are always different from the news pages. So the news pages are very serious um, at the moment. They try and lighten stories up occasionally with a celebrity story or a nice sort of good news story about something. But on the whole, the diet of news is pretty serious. You know, we've got a big death toll. There's lots of kind of tragedy around at the moment. There's lots of like dark news around. But the diary pages, you know, whatever the situation do you know we always try to find sort of more quirky stories sometimes we write about stuff that um is is serious sometimes you know when for example it's it's been a very very dark day of news you wouldn't want to put anything too sort of irreverent or you wouldn't want to make a you know a very crass joke about coronavirus or something like that so you would you would kind of think a little bit but I was actually looking back through the archives of the evening standard and the um the diary was in operation um, during like VE day, and we were. I was quite interested to seeing what they wrote back in the day, and it was that some of it was actually quite serious. Although there was this great wee story, which was there had been a, a big storm the night before, but they weren't allowed to um, report it because apparently reporting the weather was a breach of security. Apparently, like you know, <laughs> and I suppose it, it would have been. So it did make me laugh. Sort of, th- and so I was thinking b- back at that time in Britain, you couldn't even write about the weather, like so you couldn't. So I was thinking, God, that is true sacrifice as Brits not being able to moan about the weather (laughs) (laughs) oh I love that and both of you have been on a number of uh, satirical news shows is for people listening I mean that's the ultimate goal I would say as a female comedian I mean I don't want to speak for others but I would say it's that's pretty up there in the in the in the ranks right aside from having I guess your own range of um depilators or something i'm not really sure on perfume range um that's quite a coup. i could what do with that? the depilator right now i, mean, oh, I could literally depil- come at on me from every which i literally have like a full beard and like my eyebrows are like dennis healy i mean i need that get get me them now send me your your, your depilator do you know what i've got to show you this this is my this is my you can't see this guys Ooh. who are listening um, this is my fancy um, moustache <laughs> We all want Who one. Who wants to win this in the competition? Uh, so we need to get another one of those. Just give them a plug. They might send us three samples. <laughs> oh, I need the strimmer. I need a tash strimmer. Right. I look like Tom Selleck right now. Oh, my God, we should right get now. sponsored by, yeah, yeah. totally. So hair removal products. I'd love that. Um, why I don't just, why, why will nobody have the guts to bring in a pubic hair groomer you know like a shop they need to, nobody there's cowards that's what we need at this stage they want you got forces. time on your hands you could invent there come on Boynia, this, this is, is your, your moment this is your moment <laughs> necessity is the mother of invention i think it would need different heads on it though so you could do your vag do your eyebrows and do your tash yeah because yeah, we've got to think of hygiene yeah. and your underarms should we just use this to brainstorm and blue sky think our product yeah i feel like we're wasting time talking about the pandemic i mean what is that all about um anyway i was gonna say so i was i was totally giving you some props there because yes doing doing satirical news shows amazing and it must feel even more of an accolade to know that you are in that very small percentage doing that you know of females and obviously the ratio of men to women getting better never really never quite being equal but Please tell our listeners about the experience of doing that because I think that's something everyone would be really interested in. So I don't know who wants to kick off. Um, well, I, I just think it's it's just so exciting because, 
you know, it just gives you a chance, especially if you're talking about like a specific topic, then it's great because you get to sort of, you would write jokes that you would normally never write jokes about. And it's just, it's, you know, it's such a brilliant opportunity. Like I remember I did, I was on the Now Show talking about, you know, uh, the referendum about abortion rights in Ireland. And I remember after I was on, there was a, a letter complaining about me was read out on points of view. <laughs> And it was the proudest moment of my life. Wow, that's so exciting! <laughs> it was like whatever the reason. Were your parents impressed? <laughs> I don't. I mean, my parents in Ireland they do not understand. They still kept telling everybody I was on. They get Radio Four and Channel Four completely mixed up, so I don't overcomplicate things. <laughs> but I was just so proud. I was like, I because growing up, I loved you know those. You know, Anne Robinson reading out letters, complaining about things. For some reason, that was my favourite programme. And Terry Wogan sometimes hosted it. So to think that I annoyed somebody enough, they posted a letter. Um, I was very, that was my proudest moment. I mean, that's what's so fantastic about comedy. If you write the right joke for a split second, people see the world through your eyes. And you can really, can change people's opinion on things. So often I hear a joke. And I just think, oh, that's my opinion now, because it's so clear and precise. And um, that's what, when when you feel you you come across a joke that really sums up how you feel about a topic, and you hear people laughing, it is just the best feeling in the whole world. And how about you, Aisha? How was your experience of working on one of those shows? Again, I'm I sort of you do feel really proud to to be there because you are still very much. Um, a minority and I particularly am a minority being a, a woman of colour, a beige woman, not even properly brown, just beige, just very pasty. And um, so I've done Have I Got News for You twice now. And I've done um, things like Breaking the News, which is up in Scotland, which is a very, very good kind of radio show, which is a bit like the news quiz. And I've done the, the news quiz a couple of times. And I think you do feel really proud, as Gorina says, because these programs are so well regarded and they are you know brilliant brilliant satirical shows the kind of things that like you would just listen to anyway I mean I, growing up I loved Have I Got News For You it was literally like along with Spitting Image it was like my favourite program so to be on it is just such a kind of dear diary pinch yourself moment and I remember the first time I did it and we actually went to Elstree Studio and they have like you you have like your own dressing room and they have your name on the dressing room door and it's like ah! <laughs> oh my god try me cool try me cool ah! like completely circle but so so it's a huge it's a huge privilege but they are like they can be quite stressful like I'm not gonna lie you know I'd love to say hey I just like shimmied on in like rocked it you know no problem I mean I was so nervous before I did it and I was even nervous doing it from my front room because they recorded it in in my flat like last week and um and sometimes it does feel, a, even though I don't want to play the old, oh, my God, but I'm the only girl because, you know, I'm not that kind of person. I've always been the sort of only woman in terms of politics and, you know, comedy. I've, I've worked in very male-dominated sectors, now journalism. But, you know, there is sometimes a bit where you do feel like it's just hard to, I don't know, sometimes it's just hard to sort of be on the same wavelength as, as everybody else because they are just like the different people. Like, so for example, sometimes when you're going in to just, you know, do the chat beforehand, 
everyone's talking about football and like I don't know anything mm. about football and everyone's kind of it's just small talk and it's not the end of the world and I'm not going to be like oh my god call the Equality and Human Rights Commission and launch a judge-led <laughs> inquiry into the sexism but it's the kind of thing where you know you're trying to you're settle you're trying to settle yourself in it's the initial stages you're just trying to you know get 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 a level with other people show that you're quite confident but if you can't even enter the conversation and you've got it's like you're already feeling quite sort of, and, and I don't think anybody's doing it to be mean. Nobody's doing it to sort of be deliberately exclusionary. It's just a sort of structural thing. And I do think that I would love it if some of these shows did move away from just having the one sole female voice. And I think a critical mass would just make a different, like it just would make a difference. Like I'd love to be on with Groyne, you know, I'd love to be on. Yeah. With, there's so many other amazing kind of female comedians. And I just think as well, women are a bit more generous to each other. Mm. I think women yes. are a bit more generous to whether you're male or female. I think women are just more generous. Like in terms of someone makes a good joke, you will, there's no shame in laughing at it. Like, you know what I mean? Whereas I think sometimes when I have done shows, which are like, where it's all been blokes and me, um, you know, you sometimes don't feel that back or maybe it's just that I'm monstrously unfunny. Who knows? But, you know, it, you do kind of, you do sort of feel it's, and I think I, I would just love to see um, some of these news shows, these satire shows with a 50-50 gender balance. I, I would just, I'd love to see how the dynamic genuinely would change. And I'd love them to do it for a series. So yeah. it wasn't just like a one-off. Yeah. And I don't want it to be all female either. I think a genuine 50-50 split would just be fascinating to see over a series how that would kind of change the dynamic. And I think people would love it. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's all, it's just the yeah. same. If it, I, so I went to New York before the lockdown happened and I was so excited. I was so like, this was like a dream come true. I was going to New York. I was there for two weeks and I, I, I went, I, my plan was I was going to go to like all the legendary comedy clubs there. So I went to um, Caroline's and I went to the Comedy Cellar and I was so unbelievable. This was like my Jerusalem. I was like so excited. And I remember the first night that I went to Caroline's about three quarters of the way through, I had this sinking feeling. I was like, oh no, all the acts so far have been male. And it started to tense. I started getting more tense. I started getting more tense. And then by the time he announced the final act and it was another man, I was so annoyed. I was so angry because I was, I was like, this is, I was so, I was so mad because it was so tedious. And the thing, doing comedy, you, I, because if I'm on, I've never been to a comedy night that's been all men because I'm there. So obviously there's some women on the bill, but I've never <laughs> experienced that before. It's been so long because, you know, I go to see solo shows, but I wouldn't go to a comedy club if I wasn't on. And it just, it really, I just was like, I cannot believe this is still normal. And I just was so enraged because I was like, even as a punter, it's so boring having man after man after man, same viewpoint, same worldview, yeah. same more or less jokes, same targets. It's so tedious. I was like, how? From a, it's, It wasn't like from a selfish point of view, like, why am I not on stage? It's like, this is bad. You're bad at booking your show if this is the best you can come up with. Los Angeles seems to have a better balance. And certainly some of our acts are, are managing to go out there and, um, you know, make an impact. Uh, female acts, I mean. So I think, yeah, perhaps I'd love to think it was just an unfortunate experience. And maybe the next night, Fully well, it's funny. Up, so yeah, I, I was know. so annoyed. So I so it happened. Two of the nights that I went to were all male, and both times I complained. 
because that's the type of girl I am. Good. And then the second time I said to the manager, I was like, this is not acceptable. I'm a punter. Can you please feed this up? And she, it was a woman and she went, oh, yeah, we were supposed to have a female comedian on the bill, but she had childcare issues. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Oh. I had a period. I mean, gosh. Like, oh, okay. Because oh. you're only allowed book one. I forgot. It is difficult, though. It is difficult. You have all the other burdens as a as a female to deal with, you know, and certainly having kids on top of it is tricky. I mean, I'm always amazed to see any female stand-ups that have young mm. kids to keep going. I remember reading... Um, I never pronounce the name right. Viv Groskup, is that right? In her, her yeah. book, Groskup. And the sadness that, you know, having to leave her kids behind to go and do those gigs every night. Mm-hmm. It was, you get palpable, you know. It's very hard. It's Anyways, let's get light. Let's get lighter here. So, Ayesha, I noticed that you're getting into Ozark. Is that right? Oh, Even yeah. Even watching that? I have, So, yes. I want to know what other things would you recommend cheering us up? What can we watch well, if you want to be, sorry, if you want to be cheered, pandemic, if you want to be cheered up. Do not watch Ozark. It is amazing, but it is the bleakest, darkest, bloodiest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. I'm like, I'm <laughs> just going. Luckily, what's really good though about about what I've realised about Ozark and these things, it's like I'm really blind without my glasses. I'm literally like can't see anything. So if a really gory scene comes, I've realised I don't need to put a pillow over my face. I just take my glasses <laughs> off. I just see blurs, and I'm like, okay, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine. So I've been watching that. What else I've been watching? I watched Unorthodox on Love which that. Was so good. Um what else have you I think that's kind of oh I watched The Good Place and I really enjoyed that. I felt I, I felt like it was a very it did kind of remind I thought it was a great fable for the pandemic because it was never ending. They were trapped. There was a big kind of moral conundrum in the middle middle of it, which was are they going to be good and how do they treat other people? Um, so I quite enjoyed that. Oh, I did watch Love is Blind as well, which was just oh, the best thing yeah. I've Oh my god, how good was it? It was like it was like forget Love Island. This is a whole new level of sort of romantic, <laughs> sort of psychotic, romantic kind of TV. I just, I loved all the characters. They were so bonkers. I love the fact they were just getting absolutely wasted every night on these goblets of wine. It was just amazing. <laughs> and how about you, Bronya? Watching? Have you been watching Too Hot to Handle? Um, so remember I said I was homeschooling myself. Well, oh, yeah. so I've decided... What can I use? What can I watch to cheer myself up as a break from the news? So I've used the lockdown as an opportunity to dive into Ken Burns' Vietnam War documentary. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's a ten-part ten series. Each episode is two hours long and covers about six months of the war. <laughs> and I've made my boyfriend watch it with me, and at the end of every episode, he just turns to me and is like. Why are we watching this? <laughs> is is that on Netflix it's on, it's, or is it on the? No, it's on Netflix. I mean, I think I might. Um, it's in, it's a lot. I mean, I genuinely I joke, but seriously, I just thought it will be over a lot quicker than it was. It's really this documentary is lasting a long, long time, and I'm in too deep. It's like quit. in real time, yeah. a lot of war to get yeah. there. Yeah, we oh, thought we would get. We thought, have... we thought this is as bleak as it gets. This is as bleak as it gets. And then we looked. What's the title for the next episode? And it was called "Things Fall Apart." 
<laughs> but I have actually been with all this VED stuff and things. I've actually been doing a lot of watching of historical things. I've done a few documentaries. Channel Five are doing a whole set of documentaries about the like history of the royal family, and so I've I had to research loads of stuff about all the Queen's speeches that she made, which was quite interesting because it was all leading up to VED, and she did that great speech of VED, and then um, I had to do a lot of research about Princess Margaret. So I think I've become. Also, pandemics made me a bit of a weird, like, royalist. Like, I've become like, a mental sort of royal correspondent, like a sort of spoof royal correspondent. And it's like, on these programmes, there's all these terribly clammy people that talk like this. And then this, like, Scottish Asian woman just pops up. <laughs> going, I love the Queen. And it's just like, so random. I just, I mean, whatever your political persuasion is, I think we just want old people on the news telling us everything's going to be fine i agree on that let's have a channel let's have a whole channel just want loads of old people who were like around from the war yeah. saying it'll be fine it'll be yeah we got through it fine it'll be fine <laughs> calm down just watch some telly it's fine so granny i was gonna i was gonna pick up on a tweet of yours oh God. i never should do that really. oh god I do, I, it's part of my stalking um you know practice but you, the other day, you said, and I quote, in accordance with my country's role in <laughs> World War II, I spent most of today staying home and avoiding anything to do with VE celebrations, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> Is it politically correct to celebrate during a pandemic? Because loads of people have been having their birthdays on Facebook. And do you know what I mean? It feels like, can we still celebrate? Yeah. Oh, should of we? Of course. You know, somebody, I, I remember somebody saying there's a difference between happiness and joy. Like happiness is like, you know, fleeting but joy is deeper and joy enwraps and keeps in its sorrow as well and I think we are all going through a really difficult traumatic sad time but there can be true joy in that as well and you know it's really important whatever little bits of of like goodness that we can take from this time we should you know celebrate because we're not doing a, a service to all the people who have lost their lives and all the people going through this difficult time you know it's not a way to honor them by you know being you know hanging on to misery when we don't need to I love that who was it that said that to you was it an elderly person it must have been an elderly person come it on was this, there's this guy he's this American the sense so weird this is such a weird tangent this is he's this American preacher he's called Rob Bell and he does these podcasts and they're just they're like religious with a very small are and I absolutely love them because you know um, Americans have this way of like talking about like faith and religion that's like really hip like a Kanye West kind of way yeah. not like a Cliff Richard kind of way so um, I went to he, he gave this talk in Edinburgh called the, something about finding joy and it was like three quarters way through the Edinburgh festival so I was just like oh heal my soul please Rob Bell <laughs> And it was very moving. So, yeah, I think joy, you know, includes sadness as well. You can't have one without the other. So celebrate your birthday and have fun. I love that. That's a great note to end on, actually, today. Um, thank you so much. And what have you both got coming up that we can – or what's the best thing you've done that's online that we can find you doing? Or what would you recommend from your oeuvres, darlings? Um, 
I think mainly it's my just my columns and everything. I just put everything up on Twitter. So it's probably just best to, if you want to see what I'm up to, follow me on Twitter. And I'm at at Aisha Hazard. I'm thinking, <laughs> what's my uh, Twitter handle? It's at <laughs> who am I? Is there a god? Who knows? <laughs> That's the stage that we're at. It's at Aisha Hazarika. Um, if you're a fan of the American comedian John Mulaney, you might enjoy <laughs> <laughs> my tweets. <laughs> so follow me on Twitter at Gromie Maguire on Twitter. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you. And I did watch, um, we didn't get to touch on it today, but some of your flirting routine and technique. There's some really funny video clips of you, Gromie. So um, fabulous. Actually, on that note, let's let's um, leave with a bit of inspiration. I'd love to know from both of you, what would be your tips if, if someone sat at home and perhaps like, you know, they might have been furloughed from their job, they've lost their job and they're thinking of starting a career in comedy, which, all right, bad timing. But what would be your tips for getting started with writing? Um, wine. Aisha. Wine. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of wine. A lot. You're absolutely hilarious after you've had like a batter bottle and a half. Hilarious. Just start filming yourself and, you know, upload it. <laughs> just, um, I would just say start writing. I think just start. But also what's great now about the online stuff is there is a whole new genre of creating really short videos where you actually don't even need to do like a huge amount of writing. It is just you being in the moment. I've seen some amazing female comedians. Like, you know, the woman that did that thing um, where she mimicked George um, Trump and she did like how to medical. Um, the, she sort of did this whole thing with, with Donald Trump being absolutely, you know, with his ridiculous things about kind of injecting. Oh, the bleach, kind of, and yeah, the yeah. yeah. And, and it's gone massive. You know, she's Very like funny. had just millions and millions of, of views and like, you know, there's quirky things on TikTok that you can do. So I think there is actually, a, if you kind of, actually a joking side, a glass of wine will help. There's, there's a whole actual world of opportunities working, like now opening up for people to make really innovative, amazing creative content and you don't need to leave your house or if you've got kids you know you, you don't have to like you can do it in 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 your room you can do it in the, so I think there's a lot of exciting opportunities and I think women um will fare well in these because sometimes as we know entering the public arena be it at a comedy club or whatever there are just more structural barriers for, for women so there's a bit of a sense of like the online space is a bit more democratic in a way so I would say just go for it but wine wine <laughs> I say this as a Muslim. Why? <laughs> I would say as an Irish and Grant, obviously we all need to sign up to your course as well. Nope. You need to. We'll put some notes when we um, put this episode out. We'll definitely put links to your course. But go on. It is. But I would just. I mean, I just. I completely um, echo what Aisha just said. I think, in a way, I mean, I think this is what I'm struggling with. To be honest, I think if you are just starting out, you've got an advantage because. Don't just try and write as if, you know, like you need to come up with a five minute set or a 10 minute set because none of that matters anymore at all. It's, you know, there's so many new things that exactly what Aisha just said, just write for the Internet, write for social media. You know, it's it's a completely new platform. I think it's a bit like people writing films for the first time for the cinema rather than translating a novel to the cinema. Like just write silly little videos and, you know, just be as, you know, write for the medium that we have at the moment, which isn't the stage. It is for our laptops and our iPhones. 
and you know embrace it that is fantastic advice you've been listening to the funny women's survival guide and i've been your host alexis strum Thank you so much to Aisha Hazarika and Gronny Maguire for joining us in the studio. And of course, thanks to uh, Lynn Parker from Funny Women. Always great to have you on the show. Aisha can be found on Twitter at Aisha Hazarika. And Gronny can also be found on Twitter, of course, at Gronny Maguire. And stay tuned for her comedy writing courses. If you follow her feed, she updates that regularly. They're always coming up. I do recommend that you go and sign up for one. And finally, let's get to some comedy recommendations. Now, do check out Fascinating Aida's Dilly Keen song for Dominic Cummings on YouTube. And uh, there's a great new E4 series called Remote Comedy from the Paddock. You better check that one out. Uh, it's got Jamie Demetrio, who I adore, uh, Rosie Jones, Lolly Adafopi and Sam Campbell. There's some great sketches in there and you can catch that. Also, I think it's on YouTube. And in terms of Funny Women events, June the 11th for Find Your Voice with the Fawcett Society and Funny Women, uh, which Gronya is going to be um, speaking at alongside another Funny Women Survival Guide uh, alumni. Alumni, is that what you say? Rachel Krieger. Um, that's coming up first. Then there's another comedy crash course taking place for the week of the 15th of June. And you've got until August the 28th to nominate your favourite comedy web series for the Funny Women Best Web Series Award. You can find out about all of these things on the Funny Women website, funnywomen.com. And finally, if you want to find out more about me, go to thetimeialmost.com and see if you can guess which member of Best Club 7 I almost killed. And I'm on Twitter, at Alexis Strom, same for Insta. Please subscribe, download, rate, review and share this podcast. Your ongoing support means the absolute world to us. Thank you. Stay funny and stay safe.